And good evening, everyone, from the wonderful land of enchantment with a an almost full moon. It's, I think, a day or two past first quarter, glowing overhead in the desert with gently sparkling stars. And I mean, this really is the land of enchantment, and I'm so privileged to be able to bring you the other side of midnight from this uh, this locale. Tonight's show is going to be one for the books. First of all, we're going to debut something stunning and so far out of the box that we can't even see the box from where we're going to be. Two, I'm probably going to get a lot of hate mail because I'm going to be very in your face about certain political things because we now have enough critical evidence to come to some very serious conclusions. But number three, we're going to try to figure out with an old friend and colleague and someone I haven't talked to in a very long time, Dr. Farrell, Dr. Joseph Farrell, about what the hell is really going on with this whole thing. I mean, this planet has not been through something like this for a hundred years, literally 101 years. And back then, we didn't have anywhere near the mechanisms of communicating, so we really don't know how people in various parts of the world were reacting to what was going on. We have some examples of domestic cities, U.S. cities, for instance, Philadelphia and St. Louis, who dealt with the so-called 1918 Spanish flu. And you all know why it wasn't really Spanish and all that, so we won't go into that. And they dealt with it radically differently, and they had radical different outcomes. So that's an historical database. It's in the history of books. It's in newspapers of the time. It's in people's journals and diaries. You know, it's kind of hard to say, oh, that's all fake. Well, the same thing now is happening in real time, but it's going on on a planet that is all now connected. It's all now wired. And it's not just, you know, when I was growing up, three networks and all that. We have billions of people talking to each other about local experiences and national experiences and shared experience. And still, in this environment, there are very serious people that I respect who can look at me or talk to me because you can't look at anybody anymore except through YouTube or, or you know, Zoom or Skype. And they say, without a tremor, this is all a hoax. It's not really going on. It's all manipulated. It's all a virtual reality. And it is so confounding. Because everyone's reality experience in a world of a common communications network, which has been filled with endless pictures of the posterior of Kim Kardashian and her television shows and the whole family and all the other trivia that we have been immersed in up until this point, in that world of communication of nothing, when people try to communicate something very important, which is going on all over, there is a solid contingent of people who simply will not believe. And I find this, among other things, one of the most intriguing aspects of this shared experience, except for a number of people, a lot of people, it's not being shared. So that's one of the things we're going to deal with tonight. Um, before I bring Joseph on, I want to give you some backstory. As I read last night, there was a very avid Trump supporter who I've been in contact with for the last three years. Um, I'm deliberately withholding his identity because uh, he didn't ask me to do this, but he did send me an email uh, this afternoon thanking me for doing that. Because, again, we're on such political tenderhooks that even venturing an opinion or an opinion backed by evidence can get you drummed out of these various social circles where people are not necessarily thinking. They're following the herd. So let me read to you again what uh, I read last night. This, by the way, is from a former military officer. Um, and in view of what happened to the captain of the uh, uh, Roosevelt, the Teddy Roosevelt, I find this very intriguing. He says, <clears throat> my assessment of the COVID-19 U.S. response to the crisis is that it appears that Trump's blustering, narcissistic ego will not let him admit 
to himself and others that he has allowed himself to become a puppet of the very deep state he pledged to expose and remove. Remember, this is a Trump supporter. His phrase in this video, and the video is right posted below this, his phrase in this video, I am in charge, appears to be the self-deception of a narcissist who will not acknowledge to himself or others that he lacks the courage to confront and overcome the evil he promised the voters he would defeat. He is not willing to make the ultimate sacrifice that John F. Kennedy made on November 22, 1963. Comments with an alternate explanation for what Trump said, again in this video, that he is doing would be appreciated. I am open to being corrected. I sincerely hope I am wrong. Otherwise, the immediate future looks much more dire and action much more urgent than I had understood. And then there's the video that you're going to want to take a look at, which basically shows Trump um, acknowledging and acceding to um, Bill Gates and his plan for universal vaccines and all the things that are coming with that in social media, all the extraordinary uh, conspiracy theories swirling around what is Bill Gates, a computer guy doing messing in world health and supporting the World Health Organization and you know, supporting now, I guess, six to eight different companies that are racing at warp nine to, uh, you know, affect the vaccine. By the way, the official Trump project to create this vaccine on a record timescale, the, the fastest vaccine in history that I'm aware of was for months and it took them four years. This president is demanding that it be done in like, you know, six months, maybe a year, maybe sooner. I mean, it's kind of like that old joke where if you want to have a baby, you cannot <clears throat> expect nine women will give you one in one month. It will take nine. So there are certain immutable medical and biological rules about how you play this game. And both uh, Gates and the president appear to want to completely short circuit uh, those set of rules, because the rules are in place for a good reason. Most vaccines fail. I mean, I lived with an anti-vaxxer for 20 years. If Robin was here, I can just hear her now. I can see her now on her soapbox explaining why this is the dumbest thing you can imagine. Um, then there's a history of Gates in India. Uh, I'd like to get someone from India on who had direct experience with the Gates Foundation and the people that apparently uh, the effort to create a vaccine for polio in, in India created that wound up killing a lot of people. Again, this is data that's evidence, real evidence is being ignored here. But there are Indians who got so upset that they apparently kicked the Gates Foundation out of India. And I would like to, if someone's listening tonight in India... If you know someone with a medical institution, if you know someone who has direct experience with this story, so it's just not anecdotal, I'd be very um, interested in having that person on and talking to them. Again, we are data-driven here. I am so upset about Internet rumors and conspiracy theories and all that nonsense because if you throw enough noise into the system, no one can figure out the signal. And I think part of the strategy behind what's going on, the big, big picture, is to create so much noise, so many conspiracies, so many outrageous, out-of-the-box ideas that what's really going on will never be discovered until maybe it's too late. In the same vein, and again, what you're going to want to do is you're going to want to go to the other side of midnight.com, click on tonight's banner, which shows an American flag and a Nazi flag right up there, the uh, the swastika. Click on that banner for Dr. Farrell, and that will take you to the guest page. Um, either scroll down or you can click on fast items under the banner on the guest page. That will take you to my items fast link. Right under number one is number two, which is really intriguing. Because again, this is not made up. This is not you know someone's rumor. This is not someone's theory. This is real visual evidence 
And because I don't want you doing this during the show because you want to pay attention because you're going to miss something if you do this now, but you can do this after the show. Members of Club 19.5 can do it endlessly. It's video of a White House briefing where Dr. Anthony Fauci and um, Dr. Dorothy Birch, uh, Birch's I'm going to pronounce that correctly with an X, are leaving the stage. And Fauci makes an extraordinary set of Masonic hand signals to the audience. And, of course, the audience is a few members distancing socially, safely, sitting there, some with masks, some not, members of the press. And lo and behold, one of the press raises his hand in a complimentary signal, which is caught on tape. Well, it's actually digital now, but caught on the record. What the heck is the head of infectious disease for one of the major U.S. medical institutions of this government doing giving Masonic hand signs to a major network reporter? Um, I think we need to find out. And we might even want to find out what that hand signal, which you'll see in the video, actually means. I had a direct experience with that at Lowell Observatory one one uh, afternoon, and uh, I won't go into that now. But this stuff is not just you know in books or on television. It's it happened to me, and again, it was from a correspondent from a British major newspaper who had come all the way to the United States to interview me about Mars and our research and all that. And on the video, after we, he left and we were kind of looking at the, uh, you know, recording, there was this extraordinary Masonic hand sign that he did holding his hand in his lap over his knees. And it was remarkable to see that in the connection with our research by someone who was supposed to be an objective journalist. Item number three. This is where we get into some really amazing, cool stuff, and I can't wait to uh, uh, hear uh, Joseph's reaction. My question from the beginning, apart from the, is this real or is it Memorex, has been, okay, so the people who are dying mostly are elderly, infirm, people with previous preconditions, all kinds of, uh, what do they call that, comorbidity factors, we're learning a lot of new terms now, okay? And it's not affecting the very young. The number of children who have died in the midst of, I, I lost track, I think we're up to, what, 70,000 today? On the record, there's probably more that we're not hearing of because a lot of people are dying at home because they've been told by you know, emergency rooms, don't come in unless you feel really ill. Well, that turns out to be too late. There's a whole new report that, you know, what you really should be monitoring so you stay alive is your blood oxygen levels. And the normal range should be between 95 and 99%. If you get down to 92, the doctors are now saying you're in real trouble. And there are patients in hospitals that have been measured with these little oximeters. I had one when I was in the hospital 20 years ago. They clip it to your finger and it measures in real time the blood oxygen levels. They can go down to 60%. And they're talking on their cell phone or they're talking with, you know, the nurse or whatever. And then they just die right there because they're not paying attention, or at least they weren't. They're now paying really close attention. This thing seems to have so many synoptic symptoms. And there are critics who say, oh, they're just making stuff up so that anything is kind of subsumed under the uh, heading of the COVID-19 problem. And if they're admitted or they die under a COVID-19 label, they get, I think, what, $39,000 or something like that. I think this is much more interesting and threatening because I think we're being distracted. I do not think the primary purpose of this infection, which I think, A, was designed, but B, I don't think it was designed by China. I think the whole Chinese thing is a is a false uh, you know, canard. I think it's a red herring to divert us from looking at where it really may have come from. There are so many levels and levels and levels. And no, they're not using 5G in hospitals because 5G is a area broadcast. You have fiber optics in hospitals. You don't need 5G. I'd like to see an actual architectural rendering 
of the hospitals that are using so-called 5G up in the 60 gigahertz range. And I will bet you there are none. You know, this is, again, a false canard as one of so many false trails. So let's go back to uh, Radio with Pictures. At number three, I started looking at the, you know, the actual structure of the proteins on the uh, little virus ball that has got these spiky things sticking out of it, looking kind of like a World War II land or, or ocean mine. And um, it turned out, if you take a look at number three, click on it, it gets much bigger, that the geometry of this, of those spiky proteins on the surface of the SARS-CoV-2 virus, not the original SARS virus, but the so-called COVID-19 virus, the one that's producing the pandemic, the geometry of the proteins is totally different than the genetic sequencing. And I'm, of course, you know, from a long while ago, I'm kind of intrigued by geometry. If you follow our work over the years, the whole 19.5 business, inscribed tetrahedral geometry, planetary dynamics, stellar dynamics, stellar dynamics, uh, I'm kind of keyed on geometry. And as soon as I saw this geometry, that it was in two dimensions, an equilateral triangle, and in three dimensions, <clears throat> a tetrahedron, I got very, very intrigued. So now let's go to number four. Click on that. This is a comparison of the an artist's conception in the computer of the COVID-19 virus, the SARS-CoV-2. And the inset shows close up one of these protein spikes. And damn it, if they aren't tetrahedral. So then, of course, I went looking. Lots and lots and lots and lots of close-up electron microscopy and artist conceptions of other viruses. This is the only virus with tetrahedral protein spike geometry. Let me repeat that. This is the only virus, and it's been compared to SARS-1. No. In fact, if you read uh, item number three closely, you'll see that, you know, in terms of the proteins, yes, they're very, very similar. They share a lot of, of commonality, but in terms of geometry, and geometry made me think, oh my gosh, the physics, you don't suppose. And then one of these bizarre serendipitous things happened, and I know some of you are going to say, oh, Robin sent this to you. I, I don't know. Can't say that. But if you look at number five, there was a paper in Nautilus, which is one of these high-level kind of, you know, high-concept high uh, journals about the new evidence for physical geometry in the human brain that is responsible in a major Swedish researcher's model, which he's presented all over the world now at conferences, for a geometry of structure, what they're called place cells in the hippocampus and in other parts of the brain, and it not only, according to this researcher, is the key to understanding how human thought is represented geometrically in the human brain with triangular, two-dimensional tetrahedral, and hexagonal, two-dimensional double tetrahedral geometry, but the same geometry in rat studies and as a whole. When you read the article, it's really incredibly interesting, very easy to understand. And the bottom, it's like big payoff because the bottom says that when they looked at rat brains in terms of music, in terms of resonant frequencies, these place cells light up in this equilateral tetrahedral pattern. My tentative, tentative, tentative speculation, I want to clearly label this, I'm not saying this is what is going on, but given that we've had dissections of people who have absolutely died of COVID-19, and they found enormous quantities of this virus in their brains, it is somehow crossing the blood-brain barrier. My speculative model is 
This is what it is designed to do. It is supposed to infect and lodge in the brains of as many people on planet Earth as possible with this bad side effect that it kills a lot of people, but most will survive. When they recover, and this has been my question, what happens when they recover? What lasting change has been imparted to these people who we think have recovered, but are there long-term lasting effects? If you marry this geometry, this resonant you know, technology, I'll call it for what it looks like it might be, with the whole idea of 5G, not in hospitals, but out in the hinterlands where a lot of people live, is this in, in fact setting up some kind of torsion field programming? And this is why there are places on the planet, including the United States tonight, where everything is being done to get as many people infected as possible, like in Brazil, like in Sweden, like in some other places around the planet. In other words, is this some extraordinary meta-master plan for coding of information into humans in a way that the mainstream is completely unprepared, unequipped, both academically, in terms of experiments, in terms of any science we know, to not only comprehend, but to array some kind of defense against this vaccine you know, stuff notwithstanding. So I think I'm going to leave it there because I think I want to bring on Joseph. Let me look at, oh, we got a few minutes to the bottom of the hour. So let me introduce Joseph properly, and then we will, as a certain uh, broadcast journalists say, have at it. Dr. Joseph Farrell was born and raised in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. He has a doctorate in patristics from the University of Oxford and pursues research in physics, alternative history, science, and the strange stuff. His first book, The Deeza Death Star, was published in the spring of 2002 and was his first venture into alternative history and science. Following a paradigm of researching the relationship between this alternative history and science, Farrell has followed with a stunning series of additional books, each conceived to stand alone, but each also conceived as part of a pre-arranged sequence. And if I was to read the entire list, that would be the show. So without further ado, Joseph, welcome back to The Other Side of Midnight. Hey, Richard. Thanks for having me back on. Am I nuts? <laughs> no, 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 no. No, I was listening to that, and basically you you have outlined my own position on this. I don't think this is Chinese. I think this was probably engineered by Mr. Globaloney to accomplish several objectives. I do think a lot of the uh, propotainment media hysteria and hype is misdirection. So we're, we're basically talking from the same score here. It's, it's, it's dovetailing very nicely. And this business about the coronavirus and uh, a kind of um, bio uh, biopsychological programming, I'm, Foursquare on board with that too. I've been saying very similar things on my website and in my vid chats. See, what's so cool is I haven't had time. People send me your your uh, you know blog things every once in a while when I guess it mentions me or something. But I mm-hmm. you know there's so much out there. We're all drowning in data. So right. you and I have not talked about this for what? Certainly since it began and long no, time uh-uh. before. No, we haven't talked about this at all. So if we're looking at the same data the same way independently, my God, that's what science is, independent Mm -hmm. confirmation of the same far out, out of the box, totally beyond anybody's belief stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing, you know, fascinates me about your hypothesis with this virus, which I've heard tonight for the first time is that it dovetails very, very neatly with the sort of research that Dr. Charles Lieber of Harvard was doing. Oh. In connection. Yeah, in connect, let's not forget him, because he was involved in nanotechnology. Is this the nanowire guy? Yeah, this is the nanowire oh. guy. 
Okay. Right, you know, and he was arrested, as as we know, for allegedly not disclosing his relationship to that laboratory in Wuhan. Hmm. So there's a lot going on here. And, you know, then there's the background of, of Dr. Fauci with all of this and, and the Wuhan lab as well. So, yeah, I think that, that, you know, I've been arguing, let's put it this way, Richard, that there is a, a nanotechnology or an electromagnetic component to this story that's being ignored because you could, you could marry the two technologies and basically have a way of, of turning on the virus in certain targeted populations and leaving other populations more or less unaffected. So I think there's a lot to this story. And in fact, Richard, let's put it this way. We're, we're seeing now talk of different strains of this thing mm-hmm. being in evidence. I think we're also looking at a cover story for a lot of different things that may be going on. And I strongly suspect that we're also looking, you know, remember the vaping deaths last year? Yes. I suspect that, you know, some of that is connected to this as well. We may not really know what the vector of the development of this virus is, nor who patient zero is. So I think this is a story that there's a lot of different things perhaps going on under the cover of coronavirus. I don't think we'll ever know who patient zero is because you didn't have a chance to listen. We got about four minutes to the bottom of the hour. You didn't have a chance to listen, I guess, to my discussion with Dr. Chandra Wickrama Singh, Mm -hmm. who is probably the world's most preeminent astrobiologist. Mm -hmm. He was a protege of Fred Hoyle, Sir Fred Hoyle of the um, uh, steady-state universe models in the 50s and 60s. Right. He was a good friend of my friend Arthur C. Clarke. He is so sharp and so with it. When I read him the NASA press release about finding the you know, synchronized methane and oxygen levels from Curiosity, mm-hmm. his mm-hmm. instant reaction was, well, they found life. They yeah. just don't know how to damn tell us. Right. So... Right. His model, and he's working with a Chinese researcher, I believe in Wuhan, is that this thing did not originate on Earth at all. Ah, well, in that, <laughs> listen, I've, I've entertained the same idea, <clears throat> Richard, and I'll tell you why. But he's got data, which well, we're going to talk you, about tonight. Go ahead. Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you why I have entertained that idea. Uh, you might recall about three to four weeks ago, the the European, a.k.a. German Space Agency, suddenly announced that their probe that they were going to land on Mars, that they're canceling. No, I because, missed that. Oh, yeah, they canceled it because the coronavirus. And I'm thinking, okay, why do you not want to send a probe to Mars with with the possibility of coronavirus? Well, number one, that means they're afraid of infecting any life that might be up there. There's your NASA story. Oh, but number two, gosh. I'm you know I've I've thought all along that maybe this thing is the product of some sort of project screw you know from Andromeda strain, because this virus behaves so weirdly. If you look at my third item, I think it's my third yeah. item. Let me go back. Um, I found this stunning. Comp- it's number four, fourth item. Because the image on the right is from the Andromeda strain, and that is full of tetrahedral equilateral triangles. What the heck did they know? How many memes are buried in Hollywood that are leaked mm-hmm. out, called, kind of like to sensitize the um, whatever you want to call us? Anyway, let, let us pick this up on the other side. Um, you're on the other side of Midnight, folks. My name is Richard C. Hoagland. My guest this morning is Dr. Joseph Farrell. We're going to have a hell of a ride. Art, pay attention. We shall return.
The other side of the news is a current and dynamic companion to augment the discussions from the other side of midnight. We investigate, explore, and extrapolate facts to gain better understanding of current affairs and events, and thus to bring comfort and calm to our wide international audience. It's a spontaneous commentary based on well-verified references vetted through vigilance and discernment. Our desire, desire is to awaken your imagination with questions. Questions that have not been asked, yet need answering. The other side of the news is a place where you can come and be with us in community. Learning new things, asking questions, getting compelling answers, and interesting viewpoints. It's about curiosity. We present thought-provoking questions to incite your mind, propelling you to see the world in another way. Propelling you to see the world in another way. Clear insights and fresh perspectives on global events. Tune in for a balanced view of the other side of the news. other side of the news can be heard here on this network, on this channel, on this website, on this URL, every Friday evening, two hours, seven to nine p.m. Pacific time. I warn you, you'll miss it at your own peril. Welcome back, everyone. Now, you might be wondering why I'm playing 18th century, late 1700s harpsichord music tonight. I mean, wouldn't it have fit more appropriately last night when we're talking about the founding fathers and the transition from the Articles of Confederation to the Constitution and states' rights and all the stuff we got into? Well, kind of, but tonight we have a special treat. Because the composer of this music, this concerto for harpsichord, is none other than Joseph P. Farrell. I mean, really, Joseph, you are a multi-talented man. you got to tell this audience, because we can get into the other stuff in a couple of minutes, but give them some backstory. You've been practicing organ and music with teachers and all this for mm-hmm. decades but when I when I hit Kintia with this idea that you'd actually composed a concerto, she went over the moon. It was like, how could he have kept this from us all these years? Go for it. Well, it, I I normally don't uh, parade that music around. I, I composed those things back in the 1990s, kind of as an exercise. But I mean, you, I started, you actually called it to me the other night when we were sending some emails back and forth. You said, well, this is 18th century heavy metal music. And I said, <laughs> what? Well, it is in a way because that, that's kind of what the harpsichord is. It's, it's 18th century heavy metal. Well, but, I was uh, thinking, is he going for the really, really out there pun? <laughs> no, not really. But um I, I started playing organ when I was six and played my first pipe organ when I was nine for my sister's wedding. And uh, I kept at that up until I'd say maybe I was 28, 29, and, and circumstances just led me away from it. And uh, so I haven't really been on an organ, much less a harpsichord, for quite some time. Well, this is so, so cool. I mean, listen, <laughs> this is our Joseph. Now, it's not you playing. 
want to make no. that clear. Okay. But no. No. you're you're the brain behind the guy who is. Well. Go ahead. Yeah, that that's that's the computer. I have a music software program that you know I can't I can't do harpsichord and orchestra, so I just have the computer do it all. But uh, yeah, that that I composed I think back in 1997, and that's just the first movement that I sent you. I haven't had the time to get the second one up. The third one I didn't send you, but uh, yeah, those those it was a cycle of concerto that I composed C uh, C minor, D major, E minor. F major, G minor, A major, and, and B minor. Kind of a well-tempered clavier sort of, <laughs> sort of exercise. <laughs> My gosh. Will wonders never cease? Well, the reason this is so intriguing is because just before air, we were discussing Joseph's music. We were talking about the difference between digital versions and mm-hmm. analog versions. Mm-hmm. And I made the statement, which, again, was really intriguing. You agreed. But the universe is not digital. It's analog. It's analog, right. Which right. fits perfectly into this so far out there we can't see the box if we look in the mirror idea that this virus is resonating in the brain mm-hmm. with the geometry that resonates with the natural torsion field frequencies of the whole damn universe. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's an analog virus, and you know, I, this is the first time I've seen your data on on the shape of of the proteins and so on and so forth. Isn't that so cool? It's, it's stunning. It really is stunning. Uh, and then those little spikes on the virus itself. Again, you know, where 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 have we seen that in nature? That to me, right there, is a definite sign that this this is a bioengineered thing. Those spikes. Yeah. And yeah. if they're supposed to be three times bigger yep. than the ones on, on SARS-1, mm-hmm. see, what I think is that the guys who've, uh, who've done this, they kept trying and trying and trying, and we're going to talk about the whole panoply of their tries. This one, they've succeeded. Yep. But succeeded at what? Someone, a lot of someones, want us all to get this. Mm-hmm. And my initial idea was, oh, this is so Nazi. You kill off the old people. You kill off all the infirm. You kill off mm-hmm. people who are colors. You know, you basically mm-hmm. wind up with a pure white race if this goes far enough. But then I began to look at this idea from a different point of view. What if this, the, the, the deaths are simply a, I'm going to use a terrible term here, trivial side effect of the bigger agenda, the bigger purpose, which is to reprogram Yes. The human species itself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I Listen, this is the first time I've heard your data. This would not surprise me. And it wouldn't surprise me either that there is a eugenics agenda behind this because I've seen data that this virus hits black people particularly hard. The numbers in Chicago, they have about 12% of the population – Seventy mm-hmm. percent of blacks who get this are dying. Oh, That's that, that is that's it's it's inhuman. It's inhumane. Well, it's totally inhuman. Yeah, it's it's totally well. We're dealing with inhumane yeah. and anti-human people that are behind this. You know, Mr. Globaloni is an anti-human. When beast. you say Globaloni, are we talking about Gates? Well, I'm talking about Gates, Soros. You know, the the people that want to bring in a global government and all of that. You know, okay. heavy nonsense. Uh, the central banking crowd and and so on and so forth. There's no doubt in my mind that these people are behind this because if you look simply at the political and geopolitical effects of this, number one, it's hit China very hard. No one is going to trust China and their Silk Road project is is now you know up for grabs. It's they've taken the air out of it. Uh, they they've boxed Trump in with this thing, as you pointed out in your opening monologue. They've boxed him in, and I'm with I'm with that officer that wrote you. Um, I'm I'm kind of a reluctant Trump supporter, and <laughs> I, you know I'm I'm one. Of Weren't we people. all? I mean, I was so praying, Joseph, in the beginning that this was the breath of fresh air. So he had rough edges. Who the hell cared if yeah, he was really yeah. doing something different? And when you read or listened to his American Carnage inauguration speech, he mentioned, among other bizarre things in that speech, you know, energy, 
breakthroughs yep. in physics. I thought, yep. oh, his uncle, the physicist at MIT, right. he's going right. to – nothing like that has happened. Well, up to you know, up to the impeachment fiasco and the end of that thing, it, he was making all the signals with Space Force and new technology and energy and so on and so forth. Uh, even his statement that you know we don't need nukes, we've got better things. Um, all of those things were indicative to me that yeah, he's really draining the swamp and and changing the paradigm. And then this thing comes along, and I'm wondering during these press conferences of his, where's the real Donald Trump? Because there's no counterpunching on this virus business. There's no, uh, there's no fight back. So what happened? You know, what, how did they get to him to, to so totally shift him? And it's disturbing to me, and I'm with you foursquare again. It's disturbing to me that Fauci is so deeply connected with Bill Gates. It's as if Bill Gates is running this country, and now we have this mad rush to get everybody vaccinated. And again, I'm with you on that score, too. The only one right now, Richard, that I can tell is challenging this whole rush to vaccinate everybody is Robert Kennedy Jr. Yes, and we're trying to get him on the show and I have some good news tonight, folks. Obviously, I can't reveal any real details because the bad guys, when you give the information out over the air, you're just painting a target on your back or somebody else's. Yep. But we have a personal emissary who volunteered earlier in the week to go to Washington to sit down with Robert Kennedy Jr. because they know they know each other for decades and to get him to come on this show. Well, I hope he does, because his message needs to get out, especially now. Uh, there's there's going to be a whole segment of the population that will not accede to vaccines. I'm, I'm certainly numbering myself among them. Um, but, you know, the game here, as far as I can tell, too, is they're coupling this coronavirus thing with an attempt to roll out a new financial system, which disturbs me greatly. Are we talking this, about the digital currency thing? Yeah, well, you know, it's like Catherine Fitz said, that's not a currency because what you're doing, <laughs> you, you put your, you put a dollar in your pocket and a dollar in my pocket and it has the same value. But if you go to digital, what you're doing is you're turning over to the banking crowd, to Mr. Global only, the ability to manipulate the value of someone's so-called digital currency but depending on how compliant they are with their narrative. But what's the difference between that and the whole Bitcoin thing? Nothing, really. Nothing really. That's what I thought. Yeah, it's it's a it's it's a corporate coupon is what they're what they're really driving as a currency. But people have to understand they can change the value if they plan to put into place the Chinese uh, social credit system and tie it to that so-called currency. That means a, a dollar to someone may be sixty cents to you because you're not good and and following their narrative. So, this, so they could program this, an algorithm in your bank account right. that your money is not as worth as much as, um, let's right. say, a faithful follower. Of course, of course. Wow. So you know this this whole this whole thing this whole coronavirus story to me smacks of a plan that they had in place, and I suspect strongly they had it in place because they thought Hillary was going to win the election, but they've dusted it off. And updated it a little bit, and they're using this to accomplish several geopolitical, financial, and and political objectives domestically in this country. So you know, this plus this plus the fact, Richard, that as we've seen this story unfold, we're also watching all of these strange space stories getting dropped in here and there. Okay, God, we didn't plan this, but your segues are perfect. <laughs> if you go to, folks, the other side of midnight.com, click on tonight's banner, the big one with the American flag shielding the globe and the Nazi flag approaching and the fires of hell in the bottom right with Joseph's name at the bottom. Sorry, Joseph, I had to mix all those things together. And that will take you to the guest page. Scroll down or click on fast links to item number six, because in the midst of yeah. this global hysteria over the virus, suddenly the U.S. Pentagon comes out, according to this, this um, story in Wired, which again is one of those, you can count on it, mainstream publications. They're squeaky conservative as all get out. They wouldn't know an out-of-the-box theory if it bit them in the you know, delicate posterior. 
they come out with a Pentagon statement validating the Nimitz video, the video in 2014, and I think there's a third one there. And it's like, what? Who ordered this in the middle of a global meltdown? Mm-hmm. Exactly. How do you interpret it? And then I'll give you my, my take. Well, I have several ways that I approach this problem. But the biggest problem for me, Richard, is the financial one. If we go back to the financial meltdown and bailouts, and as the end result of that, we had people talking about figures of derivatives on the books of the major banks in the West in excess of $14 quadrillion. That's enough that's, zeros to stretch from here to the moon, I think. That, yes. <laughs> that, you know, that's, that's several times the gross domestic product of the entire planet. Yep. So I, I began to wonder what's going on with this. And then, of course, you've got Catherine Fitz's research on all the missing money in the federal government, which goes to the trillions. Well, lo and behold, a few years ago, you might recall this story, they discovered that one of these asteroids that they want to go out in mine just happened to have an estimated value of about $17 quadrillion. Ah, you're talking psyche. Yeah. Which yeah. is most to be made of gold and platinum. and I mean, it's like, Titanium and how, how do they stuff. know this? Because yeah. the spectra are not that good. Right. So do they have it from, shall we say, sources higher up? Well, they could either have it that way, or my other guess is they could they could pretend to go out there and mine that stuff and write this stuff off their books. Oh. But either way, there's a space aspect to the financial picture that I think is becoming very important. Look at Trump's executive orders. Yeah, we're going to go to the to the moon, and it's okay to mine it. And did and you so see the Russian so response? Yes, I did. They're not too happy about that. Well, more than unhappy, Putin yeah. accused Trump and the United States of wanting to, direct quote, own the solar system. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, again, I don't blame the Russians because that's look that's the way it's looking to me. So, you know, with what we've discussed before about space and, and the existence probably of some sort of exotic hidden technology, I wouldn't be a bit surprised that they've gone out there and they've they've done some real analysis of the contents of these asteroids. Mm. But this is this this whole virus thing as you mentioned in your monologue, has all the appearances of being a distraction from what they really want to do. Well, and part of I'm not so sure because when I tripped over this brain thing, it's like mm-hmm. if you want a planet of subservient slaves, yeah. if you want basically AI combined with humans, if you want to meld the so-called transhuman agenda and all that, yep. this seems to be the carrier. Yeah, yeah, it could very well be. It could very well be. I mean, if it's passing the blood-brain barrier and it's being found in people's brains, then yes, this is an engineered thing. I mean, uh, they But see, the, 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 sorry to interrupt, but the mainstream stories are so whipsawing back and forth. There's yeah. a contingent of scientists saying, oh, there's no way it was made. It's, it's natural. Then there's another contingent who are saying it's got HIV fingerprints in the, in the RNA and that kind of thing. And right. at least people who have no background with nothing, who do they believe? It's one authority figure against another group of authority figures. Right, right. Well, it's like you said, again, in the monologue, they are they are putting out so much noise, it's difficult to discern the signal. But let's look at just the fact that it may have RNA in it that has come from HIV. If that's the case, you are looking at an engineered virus. Mm-hmm. There's just no two ways about this. So, you know, again, I go back to the fact that since the beginning of this thing, Richard, I thought this this has too many convenient implications politically and financially for Mr. Globaloni not to have been behind it. They're accomplishing several objectives in one fell swoop here. See, I'm not so sure that we're looking at one group. I think we're looking at a feudal system – where you've got the masterminds behind this, because it's got genius engineering. If this thing is yeah. hyperdimensionally locked into human consciousness, that's nothing going on on this planet yet, I don't think. But then you have the opportunists who say, mm-hmm. oh, 
let's take advantage. You know, what was that yeah. great term back in the Obama years uh, by the current, the former mayor of Chicago, who was the chief of staff, who never let a good crisis go to waste? Go to waste, yeah. Well, well, I'm with you. When I say Mr. Globaloney, Richard, I, I don't mean that this is one coordinated cabal. Okay. okay, good. I think I think there are several factions in play, like you do. And there is the opportunistic crowd. There, there. You know, as far as I'm concerned, Mr. Globaloni himself <laughs> is is. You know who you're going to get really mad at you tonight? Who? All the Italians. <laughs> well, they know how the game is played. I mean, you know, they kind of invented it. But, but there's there's no way that you can look at their philosophy of of these central bankers and multinational corporations and people like Gates and George Soros and not come away with any other conclusion that basically the philosophy that they are pursuing is fascist. Oh uh, my God. <clears throat> are you reading my mind tonight? Because that sets us up perfectly for item number seven. Yeah. <laughs> Which see, you're not looking at this stuff. How do you know how to do I, this? I am looking at it. <laughs> oh, Elon Musk, a guy yeah. who I really admire because he's cut through the BS and we're going to be on Mars. And I love all the people that have been attacking him for decades, calling him every name in the book kind of sounds familiar. Um, he's got a technology that is working. I remember when George Norrie told me about landing rockets back on earth, it'll never, ever work. And I, I, I was dumbfounded. I said, are you serious? I said, of course it's going to work. And of course it has in stunningly repetition. I think there's now 50 returns of the first stage and, they're planning to recover right. the second stage and someday the third. I mean, this is all primitive rockets, but you got to start somewhere. He and Bezos this week, again, under the cover of all this COVID-19 stuff, yeah. they won the contracts with a third company, I think, in Texas to develop a lunar lander for yeah. the Artemis program. And everybody, of course, is totally missing that. And as I said to one of our colleagues the other day, I said, I'm going to bet on Musk because Musk with the Starliner is going to be there before NASA gets the SLS off the ground. Probably, yep. Well, he's going to be doing hot fire tests at the end of this month. He's going to be rendezvousing with the space station with a Draco spaceship, you know, the uh, SpaceX uh, version carrying two crewmen. Uh, and the they name. <laughs> say again? Note the name. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, do you know that he's got engines called Kestrel? Okay. You folks know what a Kestrel is? It's Horus. It's a Falcon. He's got mm -hmm. Merlin, Magician, Camelot. I mean, Musk is dripping with symbolism. So when he came out this week and tweeted, let freedom ring and for the bombs bursting in air and this is fascist and all that. Everybody thought he was referring to the, quote, lockdown, which isn't. No, he's doing an Emily Dickinson. He's no. talking about the agenda behind the big thing that's preempting planet Earth right now. Yep. Crystal yep. clear. And then yep. he said he's getting rid of all his physical possessions. That threw people for a loop out beyond Saturn. And then he said that Tesla was overrated and in, in hours, it, it lost $14 billion, and it's like no one he's, – he's, he's hiding his own signal underneath the noise. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. There's a lot of high, signal hiding going <laughs> on. It, it's unbelievable to me. I, 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 he's got to know what's waiting on the moon for his first missions. He's got to sure. know. Sure he does. Sure he does. Sure he does. I mean, this is one of those things where you want to take a pause because it's so big mm -hmm. and just kind of think about this. We are going through an unprecedented time in history. Right. And I have believed since Trump was elected that we were going through an unprecedented time. And this is not an aberration or a sport, I think this is part of the bigger plan. I don't think we have Trump by accident. Someone said, of all the, you know, it's kind of like that quote from Casablanca, of all the gin joints in all the world, you know, how do we yeah. get this guy when this thing? No, it's part of the 
plan. And you can all start writing me hate mail now. I think Trump no, I, is agreed with you. involved I, as part of the plan. Maybe he's not consciously part, but they played him like an organ. In fact, the last three years have been such dissonance, to go back to our musical analogies, that by the time you get to a guy standing in front of the world press saying, oh, you might want to inject bleach, <laughs> it's, it's like, who cares? Yeah. They've hidden the signal under the noise of Trump's last three years. Because I kept asking guest after guest, nobody can be 100% wrong. How is this guy 100% wrong 100% of the time? It begs, as someone said in a great movie, the percentages. Yes. And now yes. I think we're seeing the final act, Mr. Shakespeare, of the play. Yes, I, I, I totally agree. Uh, I've said all along, Richard, that that the last election we had two deep deep state candidates with with Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. Trump is Trump is just a different faction of that deep state, and and you know those two factions have been battling it out for for decades. But right now he seems to have capitulated to to the Hillary Clinton global only faction. And, and unless he pulls some sort of rabbit out well, of the Well, is hat, this four-dimensional chess? You know, I'm, I'm, I, I, I'm, look, I'm wondering. I, I'm looking. I'm looking. <laughs> well, if, if it is, you're more optimistic than I. because you I was know, accused it, of being that last night. Richard Spence kept saying, oh, you're an optimist. You know, yes, well, I'm an no, optimist. He may be playing four-dimensional chess, but if he is – the time is running out for him when he when he's going to have to show that he is doing that because he's losing his support base principally because in my opinion he has been playing to the whole Fauci crowd and and basically turned over the policy making decisions of this country to a man who in my opinion is totally unqualified to make them meaning Dr Fauci mm. so if he's playing four dimensional chess then it's high time to show us that you are. And thus far, I'm not seeing it. You know, I I, I hate to break that to the Trump mess in us out there. But, <laughs> but, but, but well, I'm going to for the for, for the Trumpies or the Trumpers or whatever you want to call them. You know, I, people used to hate to be called Trekkies. I love being called a Trekkie. Who who the hell cares with a name? For those who are really followers of the president, I'm going to hold out in the next half hour some tendrils of data indicating that my optimism might in the long run turn out to be correct. But we are literally at the top of the hour, and I don't want to miss our our breaks here. And we're going to play some more from Joseph because the concerto written by one of my guests, to me, is an historic moment. You're on the other side of midnight. My name is Richard C. Hoagland, and we shall return. Thanks for listening to this exciting first hour. Now, the second and third hour of the show is available to Club 19.5 members only. Please support the show by subscribing to Club 19.5 and join our very interesting community. To do that, please visit the website, theothersideofmidnight.com, and click on the Join Club 19.5 link in the left-hand column. As a Club 19.5 member, you'll gain access to the rest of this show and all previous 350-plus shows that we have done. Now, recent Club 19.5 member archive recording have the commercials removed, and the sound quality has been enhanced. You'll also receive a dedicated private podcast feed that contains these enhanced show recordings. And you'll be able to download the MP3 files directly from the archive if you prefer. As a Club 19.5 member, you'll also be the first to preview our new videos and reports. We'll be adding exclusive new features to Club 19.5 as we go forward. And boy, have we got some amazing things to tell you about in the coming weeks. So please support the show and don't miss all the exciting new things we have planned. I want to thank all our Club 19.5 members because without your guys' support, this show would not be on the air. Please help us continue growing the show by subscribing to Club 19.5 today. And when I say we really need you, we really need you. Over and out.